Hey, podcast listeners. First thing I want to do is thank all of you for following, listening, passing the word out, and donating to help this channel grow. We're doing great. So let's move on. Today's episode is with David L. Anderson. He is a local guy, local for me, Washington State area. Uh, he's a producer and an author. So he recently published a book. But we're going to talk about what it's like being an independent or indie uh, movie producer and what it takes to go into creating a movie. And then we're going to talk about the book that he's written. So let's jump right in. And again, thank you very much for helping this channel grow. Hey, thanks for joining me today. And you know, I've known you for, for years. And I see you under yep. David L. Anderson. And then I hear you say, Dave. So, Dave, <laughs> tell me about yourself. I know I know you, but there are a lot of uh, things that I don't know about you. And there's a lot of things that people out there don't know who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. I'm David Lee Anderson. <laughs> so, yeah, Dave is fine. I, I went to high school with you. Class of 81. Yes. And uh, throughout all high school, it was kind of uh, strange. I uh, really gravitated towards, like, Tolkien and fantasy and, and Rush music and stuff like that. And, uh, and then after um, high school, I just kind of put all that stuff away, except for the music. And then um, recently, maybe you know, like 12 years ago recently, I took up writing again, just out of the blue, because I was on a film set. And I just, um, just really connected with this film set I was on for, like, I was an extra for three weeks. And that was on the uh, movie Knights of Bad Atom. So um, that was with Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Nice. Which was awesome. Yeah, Summer Glau. From Serenity was on it. Oh, and awesome! Yeah, yeah, man, I was impressed. She's very cool, very good looking too. By the way, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's she's an incredibly nice person. And and Steve Zahn, he's been in a number of films. But uh, yeah, just it just really clicked with me. So uh, when you know, as far as explaining who I am, um, when I'm not at my day job nowadays i am either screenwriting producing a film or now writing a book so i am an author of a book now and working on part two which i'm a gosh probably a little over two-thirds of the way uh, through the first draft of that so that's encouraging and yeah and then that's what i do shoot well i mean you know, an author and really you're a filmmaker because you are on the internet database, you know? So <laughs> I am yeah. Yes. Uh, but you, keep, keep in mind, I've, I'm, I'm low, low, low on the totem pole there. It's uh this is indie film, but uh, still uh, pretty proud of the projects I've been involved with. Uh, wrote two pretty extensive short films. They were longer than normal short films, and they were quite involved, big big sets and stuff like that. Worked with a number of wonderful people, very talented people. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, just a great experience. I was just thrilled to do that. And, so is that the the first Ranger of the King? Is that the one that you're talking about? Uh, or, no, or is there another the, one? The first one that I did was called Tears of the Fallen. Ah. I worked with uh, a director named Cruz and a DP named Benito, and a, and a lot of close friends on that. And we had actually had a battle scene in there. We opened up with a battle scene. So, gosh, we had. 60 people on this, at this place in the field in Bellingham and we filmed and it was quite an experience and uh, it was kind of daunting and a little bit intimidating kind of overseeing all these people. <laughs> we, had, we had horse cavalry, you know, and horse riders and it was just amazing. So, uh, yeah, and that one, that's on the YouTube if anybody's interested, Tears of the Fallen. I strongly recommend it. Awesome. But it turned out wonderful. Yeah, that was... And then after that, well, that, that was back when what 2013 no uh 2013 2014 uh a 20 yeah about that 2012 maybe okay gosh i'm losing track of time the, the older i get <laughs> it seems like everything's so far in the past you know <laughs> oh yeah i know <laughs> has it been that long eight years yeah, it just seems like yesterday but um yeah so did that and then after let's see tears got involved with the trying to work a uh, first range of the King project and um, some funding. The, the reason that fell through is that I was uh, um, expecting some funding from a certain source. And then suddenly you get that shock of, Oh, we're not able to do this. And it's like, Oh, well, there we go. All the hard work that we put into it um, kind of went by the wayside, but we kept all the, you know, stuff we did shoot. We thought about, uh, four or five separate scenes, stuff like that. And, um, but uh, that story always resonated with me and a few others quite a bit. So later on, even though I um, wasn't able to make a full feature out of that, uh, that's that those characters from that story is what this book is about. So, okay. yeah, it's the same, same character, just different story. So... But uh, after that, so after that fell through, uh, me and the director, or, or actually kind of during that time, we decided to make a short film, a uh, real kind of Twilight Zone eerie thing uh, called Sentence in the Mind and starring Jason Pete. And this guy's a phenomenal actor. And I just love this guy. And uh, director Tim was just outstanding. And um, we have a great cast and crew. Actually, the last scene is filmed at this uh, old mental ward, um, gosh, I forgot, Land Landmark on the Sound or something like that, um, in Kent, and it's now closed down. We were the last uh, film crew to actually be able to allowed to uh, film in there. Wow! So very creepy, yeah, <laughs> very it, it, creepy. And if you're into creepy, I, I recommend <laughs> Sentence of the Mind. So, <laughs> well, uh, like you're saying, you were like the last film crew to go in there that was allowed to shoot. So, can you tell yeah. me, uh, tell us a little bit about you know the logistics of putting together a film, uh, uh, something like oh, that, or small, large? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, well, you start off with pre-production and you just meet with. Uh, like-minded people who are really into the story or the concept you're pushing. Uh, I had some scripts written up and I approached uh, director Tim on like, let's say sentence of mind. And he just dug it. And, and we 
basically collaborated uh, to arrange everything as producer. Um, it was my job to oversee everything as far as getting everything he needs to make the movie. And uh, that's what I did. And, and, um, and then also involved with the uh, post-production part of that too. But yeah, it's uh, quite an involved thing. And you are incredibly thankful for the people you work with because can't say enough good things about them who are working hard. And that's usually for nothing. You know, when you're indie, it's usually for, I'll help you with your film if you help with mine, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it kind of works for now until you can get a budget. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of budget and things like that. So, um, you had said that your first Ranger movie, uh, you had a budget or you had something that was put in place, but yeah, the I funding have, have fell to... through. So how do you go about getting all the funding? Do you knock on doors? You hit up your friends, uh -huh. your parents or, you know, or everything above. Yeah. It's, it's all the above. And it just kind of depends on what kind of budget you're looking for. If, you know, if it's some shorter film and, and it's not so involved or something, you know, this is why Andy, people normally write a story or a film to the locations they have access to and, and stuff that won't cost them a lot of money. That way they can keep the, the budgets down. Um, that's a good habit to get into if you're um, on the indie circuit. But if, you know, other, otherwise if you're, you know, got a connection with LA or, or some big funders and that's, uh, that's you, you're made it. Cause if they've got somebody funding your film, then that's great. But, yeah, it's super hard to, to find funding. You know, everybody's tight with their money, of course, understandably. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and not everybody is as inspired about your story as you are. <laughs> you <know>? True. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah, it's super hard to get funding, and I'm not a big fan of the Kickstarter and stuff. I hate, I just absolutely hate um, asking people for money. It's just, uh, I just... It, it, sometimes you, there's no other way around it, but I, I just one of the things is I would do everything within my power to fund it myself or, or you know, it, try this. Work hard for a year and save your money. Yeah. And then you'll have three to 5000 to make a movie with. So, you know, some people don't even realize that they can do that. You know, it's like, yeah. Dude, work hard. Well, <laughs> Save your money. Be disciplined. <laughs> speaking, That's what I had to do. You know, speaking of that, do you have a project that uh, you're working on as far as a movie or anything like that, a short film? Um. Well, actually, I am. This is kind of cool. I am. It's not a um, short film or a film per se, but I am just now on a new Snohomish short film festival board and uh this is a brand new festival that's going to highlight short films in the north end but actually anybody can submit a film to it but i'm working with uh, some really cool people rick medved and, and tanya skog and tony dupree and uh, a lot of neat people wow and uh yeah that's cool so and that's going to be starting up in 2021 hopefully after pandemics get resolved, you know, that kind of thing. And, right. but, uh, yeah, we're working on that goal and, and that's kind of fun. And, and in the meantime, the film wise, uh, always this, here you go. Film wise. I am 
to, to help get exposure to a full feature I wrote about three, four years ago. It's a werewolf film, okay, Bound by Moonlight. Awesome title, I love it. <laughs> and I just, I just love this movie, but it's like to get somebody to read it who has funding, good luck with that. So I'm working with a uh, comic book artist in Kent, fellow named Mick Nave, he's just outstanding. And we're going to be working together on making that full feature script of mine, a graphic novel. And so it'll be like a comic book, you know, hardcover comic book. And, um, and then that way it's, you know, hopefully it gets popular and, but it's also super easy for somebody, let's say a producer in LA or a director or somebody you want to get eyes on this. Um, you can, you know, give them this comic and they can read through and get the story and the visuals right away. So it's kind of an interesting way to do it. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm very, very pleased with how that's going and very excited about it. I've always been a huge old 1941 Lone Chaney Jr. Wolfman fan, you know, from way back. All those Universal nice. classics are just, yeah. they really resonated me, with me as a kid. So, so. kind of like in the very beginning of all this, you kind of said, well, you, you, you've gone back to, we'll call it your roots of writing. So you're more into writing now. Um, and I know you just recently had something published and put out on what um, Amazon? On Amazon, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, so- the Amazon's super cool. They they have um, they allow you to self publish. So if you don't aren't you know when you're starting off, it's super hard to get into a you know a, a publishing house and stuff like that, right? So Amazon, you know, with you can download it and they self publish it for you. And, uh, yeah, and I, uh, this is what I was talking about earlier, uh, a branch off that first Ranger of the King. Um, I wrote, uh, a story with those characters and in the, in the book is called Gavlin Wayfair and the Great Hunt. And it's a first Ranger of the King story. And there'll be, I'm hoping maybe three, four books in the next couple of years. And I think it's a fun story. You know, it's an easy read and there's, uh, there's like, 14 just kick butt illustrations through it and a, and a really cool map you can kind of follow their adventures on. So, yeah, I mm. dig it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So, would you say that this is uh, a book for kids or is it more a teen and uh, above? Uh, uh, yeah, teen and, and above. It's not for young kids. There's, there's violence, but there's, uh, I, I purposely wrote it to appeal to that audience of, of young adult slash adult. So it could cross over. It's, there's no swearing or any sexual situations or anything like that. There, there is violence though, but, uh, Gra- hey, graphic novel it's violence. An, it's a, <laughs> hey, it's an adventure tale. They're going to, they're going to have some, you know, some sword work there. So. That was, it was part of the, the, that era, right? There was a time you had to have it. Yeah. Know? It's a fantasy book. Even the Princess Bride had violence. Come on. <laughs> hey, did you know the Princess Bride just turned 40 years old? Holy moly. Let's not even think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that mind-blowing? Oh, my God. It is. Jeez. Better not say that we were, uh, let's see, did I see it as a child? No. Now we won't even go there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 17 or 18 years old we were. I believe. 
when yeah. that came out. Yeah, again, we don't. So that came out in about '81. If I read that right, I thought it was the 40-year anniversary. Maybe it was the 30th. Maybe I got that mixed up. Oh well, it's uh, yeah. We don't, oh we don't want to think yeah, about yeah. it. We don't want to think about it. That's right. Uh-huh. Well, cool. Yeah, but yeah, you know, the, as far as uh, the opening launch um, went very well, uh, just as good as can be for a first attempt. And what I'm trying to do now, Chuck, is um, just kind of get exposure to this book and build up uh, a fan base for it. And, you know, that way when the second one comes out, it gets, you know, uh, a little more exposure and sells a little better. And then the third one, the same. And then people who might read the, the third one coming out will probably buy book one and two. You know, you see how it goes? You just kind of try to build it up and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah. Anyhow. So here's a crazy question. And this is only because, you know, I do enjoy reading, but sometimes I don't like reading 500 pages. So would you say this is a, uh, a huge novel, a short story, or uh, easy to digest all around? It is easy to digest. Um, it's actually, this is considered a novella because it's not quite up to the word count of a novel. Okay. So it's just a little bit under a novel. Perfect. Yeah, so it is an easy read, and I didn't use too big of words. <laughs> I was I was tempted to, you know, yeah. try to challenge my intellect and that throw a bunch of big words in there. It's like, ah, just use what makes sense. That's so, right. But anyways, I, I have some really great editors on this too. So cool. I am actually horrible with my grammar. Uh, never was a good student, but I was. I just kind of be okay with the creativity part of it. Mm. So I, that's, um, thank goodness for people who know good English and grammar because they really helped out and, and they really got their work cut out for them when they worked on mine. <laughs> wow. <Well, hey, laughs> so, let me ask you this then. I'll pick your brain yes, on it. So while you were writing, did you ever use the, um, we'll say AI, artificial intelligence, to do all of your spell check correcting grammar the works i mean did you use any of that did it work does it work uh, um yeah there the software i use is, is kind of unorthodox for um somebody writing a novel but i'm so used to using this screen script in screenplay um software called keltex and it was free and i just used it from way back i'm just so used to it that it was just easier for me to write that the novella on using that software. And I would just, you know, correct the format of it and stuff like that. And that software has a, a semi spell check. So, but you know, it certainly doesn't help with um, sentencing and, you know, putting the paragraphs in the proper place and stuff like that. I, I, I just need, it's always good to have some really sharp people, who aren't a part of it to come into a, uh, into your project with fresh eyes so they can give you feedback on something that's working and something that's perhaps not working story-wise, but also um, go through and, and do all those corrections. Hmm. So, you, yeah, an editor is super important to oh. how your project turns out. So. Oh, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, you want it to be able to flow, make sense, and 
Correct yeah. grammar. But hey, guess what? Newsflash. Yeah. Newsflash. Okay. Mulan, the movie. The movie that a lot of people have been waiting for to go out in the theaters. And, of course, you know what's going on with theaters right now. Like, nothing. It is not going into theaters. It's skipping the theater route. Mulan. Yeah. Okay. You familiar with that? No, that's a Disney yes. animation thing, right? Yes. So they made a, a real action. Uh, so no. Oh. Yep. So the, it was. It's. Uh, it's been put out there, and people have been waiting for it. But now, real life, real life action, man. It's always better than it. cat. You, they, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't even go there on that one. But no. It, I, just a newsflash. It just flashed here. It just said that Mulan is not going into theaters, and it's just going to go straight to like uh, video on demand type of thing. Um, I don't know if it's only going to be on. Uh, a Disney Network or anything, something like that. But yeah, I bet uh, they'll go on with Disney Channel. Thirty dollars, thirty dollars to uh, to rent it. I think I don't think it's an owning, but thirty bucks. Uh, oh my gosh, that might be the, like the the new cost for ticket prices because the ticket prices you're getting are watching it at home, and they got to make their money some way somehow because they're not filling theaters with people. Yeah, boy, that that would be a harsh new reality, huh? I, I, I it would. I mean, I I know you've got a large TV. Uh, all moviegoers have large TV screens and stuff. But me, I still want to go to the theater. I want to have that theater experience. Yeah. Don't you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's something I'm missing. You know, a greasy bucket of popcorn, a big, <laughs> big gulp. <laughs> cup full of ice and soda or something like that I, it's it's not the same at home yeah. and some whoppers oh yeah oh yeah yep and a stale old hot dog <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> well, i just don't like it when somebody's behind you at the theater's eating a hot dog and breathing down your neck oh, oh it just yeah, spoils yeah, like, even the like, popcorn especially if it's like if you had a ball game or something with the, the mariners and, and there's a when he's Chowing down on an on, on what is it those uh, onion fries or, or garlic fries? They they chowing on these garlic fries and you just getting whipped. And they, they, at first they smell kind of good, but then after a while it's like, <laughs> oh, enough with the garlic fries. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know what's going to be worse: the garlic fries or a, a giant foot long hot dog full of sauerkraut and the onions. Oh, I mean, they all taste great, but just when somebody's breathing down your neck. Yeah, the problem is, is when you know they finish eating it, and then suddenly you smell it again. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. you know where that came from. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hey, um, jumping back yeah. to to your book, because um, what's the title again? And the other thing too is. Can they look it up and do a search by your name? And is it going to be under David L. Or you, do you put the full David Lee Anderson? Uh, David L. Anderson. Yeah, you could do a uh, Amazon search under that. But uh, or First Ranger of the King is, is pretty easy to remember. I know it's kind of a longer title, but uh, I just kind of ended up going with this and taking my chances with it. But the title is once again it is Gadlin Wayfair. And the Great Hunt. Woo! Yeah. So that's with a capital T for Gatlin, yeah. 
Well, what I'll try to do is uh, in the description, when you guys are listening to this and you read the description, I'm going to try to have a link in there directly to That would be outstanding. Book. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really appreciate you uh, talking to all of us on this. I was just really excited to hear about your projects that's coming up and, you know, things that you're doing. I was really hoping that you would be making another movie because I wanted to be in it. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> right. wait a second. Where's my credit for IMDb, huh? I am. I do believe you for for an acting credit. I believe you have to have what they call dialogue. (laughs) Didn't I say? But you did look good. I must admit, you look great standing there, looking all serious. You know, like I am an ambassador from some far off land. I could have swore there was dialogue going on, but maybe that was me just thinking. Yeah, right. that was you thinking in your head. There you go. That's right. Oh uh, man, but uh, that yeah, that was a um, that there was a pretty big old production. Remember that day? Oh man, absolutely. that was a, that was a first Ranger of the King uh, scene. That was what we call, and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, over, uh, it's called First Ranger of the King King Gerald Training Ground Scene. I know it's weird but it's like that was one of the scenes from the full feature we were going to make so um but anyways boy this great acting in that and talk about some wonderful cinematography from uh director tim carpenter was was doing um the, the filming then and uh, he did a great job and we had mounted people mounted on horse and riding around and people fighting and we had a really good um fight scene with a couple soldiers, a fellow named um, Kyle Robinson and, oh, darn it, um, a really cool kid. Um, Gosh, he's actually, this other fellow is working for uh, WIDA right now. He he, uh, helps make uh, props for, for, um, in New Zealand for Peter Jackson's group, I do believe. Wow. Yeah, Chris Minges is his name. Yeah, great guy. And uh, anyways, these, these those guys put on a. Remember that fight scene? Yes. Wasn't that really good? Yes. They did, and, and that was in what, like ninety five degree weather. <laughs> That's that was my next comment. Was do you remember yeah. how hot it was that day? <laughs> yeah, and that was the only day I could get everybody to show up that needed to be there. It seemed like every other weekend, something somebody couldn't make it. You know, a certain actor had something going, or maybe a first AD couldn't do it, and you know, on and on, and 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 it just so happened it happened to be about the hottest day of the summer. Yep, I just felt so bad for everybody on that, but you know what? They're all troopers, and we made the most out of it. So I was, Absolutely. I was really impressed. Well, what was so. great about it? is you even had craft service. And for those of you who don't know that, it's food and something to drink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that is mandatory. If yeah. you put on a film set, it's uh, mandatory that uh, you provide your cast and crew with drinks and, and food. And so, you know, uh, that's the, uh, that's, I mean, we are talking earlier about budgets and costs and things like that you might you might be able to give your time for free your services and the director gives a person that person gives their time services for free an actor does but then 
like you said, it's a film crew, it's a set. You've got to provide craft service, and there's money. There's it's not like, hey, have some free pretend food. It's you got to go out there and get it and pay for it. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, most uh, uh, at least on my indie films, I, I try to pay the actors um, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That you know they they they've been super cool and knew my situation, and they they worked with me on it. That I definitely uh, wanted to you know, and and have you know paid them for their services because they they are a very unique talent. And uh, without the proper um, acting, you know, in, in your, your film, it, it just goes downhill real quick. If, if somebody, <laughs> you know, the first thing somebody's going to spot watching a film, it's like, that person doesn't know how to act with scenes. You know, I can do better <laughs> than that, you know. So you got to have the right cast. So, yeah, and that's why most of the time you, you got to, you know, buck up and, and get some, some money in their hand make them feel good, you know, and then after, and they, they, they're worth every penny. So, every uh, penny, so, how many of those actors out there are worth $20 million a film? Are you telling me? <laughs> are you well, telling I know me a writer producer <laughs> who is, that would be me. Yeah, there we go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's a, that's a 20 million a film. Yeah. Who, I think there's very few could uh, ask for that, but they're out there. I would imagine. Yeah, and you know, I don't know who it was that started at first. Maybe it was Keanu Reeves, the um, or it was either Keanu, I think, or maybe it was Arnold, uh, taking a back end deal, taking a small up front. Because I know with Keanu, he made bank doing that. Uh, Why did he get he get like a um, percentage off of the film's mm-hmm. revenue or something? Yeah, yeah. off of the See, uh, yeah. off of the Matrix thing. So. You know, I want to, I want to, now this is, this is just a guess from what I think I calculated before, but I'm not 100% sure, but I think he made off of the back end deal off of the matrix films, somewhere in the neighborhood, neighborhood of something like 350 million. Now, would he have been paid anything close to that as an actor up front? Heck no. So, I mean, that's a, (laughs) that was a smart move. The back-end deal, as I called it, is referred to as a first dollar gross in Hollywood or in filmmaking. So I tried to find out who really was the first actor-actress that took a uh, first dollar gross deal. I couldn't find any solid information as to who was the first one, but I did find out that Natalie Wood took a 10% on first gross movie that she did, uh, like a drama comedy Uh, called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, um, which was back in 1969. But there's been a lot of actors and actresses that have done that since then. Cameron Diaz negotiated a first dollar deal on Bad Teacher, and it netted her somewhere around 42 mil. Uh, Sandra Bullock did the same thing on uh, Gravity, so I'm sure that she got a good chunk out of that. Arnold Schwarzenegger, as I mentioned, uh, he did a 25% first dollar gross back in the day i'm not exactly sure which movie it was and good old leonardo dicaprio he did a uh, first dollar gross deal on inception which made him about 50 million dollars and then of course keanu reeves i mentioned that he did really good on the matrix deal 
So the information that I found showed that he made something in the neighborhood of $256 million in the uh, Matrix series. So you can really figure that it's probably anywhere from 256 mil on up to 300 million dollars. And man, I am sure that he did something like that on his John Wick projects, and that probably <laughs> made more money for him. Very smart move. Yeah, yeah. And in some of these films, like um, I'm not sure matrix so much but anything um like star wars or x-men or something like that think of think about uh the all the the side stuff that goes with it like like uh you know the um comics or, or not the comics but the uh, like the action figures and the you know and all the um merchandise that comes with a film like that and sometimes actors work in a percentage into sales of those. And I know like writers do sometimes with that people mm. can maybe sometimes even directors like, uh, I think it was Lucas or yeah, Lucas. Um, he had an opportunity of not getting anything from the merchandise, but he held strong and made sure that he got, uh, a cut from the merchandise and that just made him a millionaire and then some, yeah, because of uh, how much uh, you know action figures and stuff of Star Wars sold, it was amazing. Every kid on the block had a couple of those things. Uh, you know, anything from Star Wars. Yeah, so, well, it's I guess in that entertainment industry, it kind of all goes hand in hand like that. Because you think about it, you go to the movies, and we're saying, "Ah, I got to pay twenty dollars," but the money is made off of the concession stand at the theaters. <laughs> You know, just right. like you said, that's that's kind of like the merchandising part, you know, for the theater is, hey, come on in, sit down, enjoy our, our nice air-conditioned big movie theater, and by the way, get your uh, $10 bucket of popcorn and your, you know, $9 cup of Coke. $9 little 12-ounce Coca-Cola with a lot of ice in it, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yep, yep. But I will say this. And all, and all the fizz is gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I will say that some of the places now, I, I do enjoy that they have some different food, some good halfway decent stuff. And I know from one theater chain to the next, I've got my particulars on who has what and what I like. But, you know, some of the pizzas and salads and things like that. Um, wow. Yeah. I well, mean, if, if you're going to that place over in Melick Terrace, um, Cinnabar, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have been there one time, and, and I think they, they like, actually serve you drinks or something like that, don't they? Uh, out in the lobby. So, yeah, there's a number of places that do that now. Uh, I've been oh. to several in different states and things like that. Um, none that I have ever been to that you are served. I take that back. No, you're right. Uh, they serve me beer. And like, well, it sitting, to you, yeah, I think, right? yep, yeah. yep. Wow. And I will be upfront about that. I I do not go and see first run movies in a theater like that. Yeah, because you want to focus on what you're there for in the first place. Yep. That. But I tell you what, it sure is a fun thing when somebody just suddenly hands you a cold beer. 
you know, <laughs> I could just go to the fridge, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why I do most of my movie watching at home, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. There's a bathroom right down the hall and there's, there's beer in the fridge and pop and whatever. So, yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just, you know, I hope as far as movies go and movie theaters and things like that, I, I cannot wait for it to open back up again and, it's terrible what's happened with movie theater chains and uh, the the big losses, especially on the AMC side. You know, they're just struggling. I, I know all of them are, Edwards and um, Regal, but it just sounds like and seems like AMC, which would be the world's largest theater chain, is struggling the most. So, Gosh, nobody can give them any business. I, I, you know, they're just, they're probably surviving maybe because of government help or something. I, I would think, I, I don't know how they would even be able to survive this. I don't think the theater chain's got any, the funding. Um, I don't really? believe that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Um, but um, yeah. So, I mean, movies just get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And, you know, here, here it is. I, uh, I know there's got to be a lot of people, whether you like Tom Cruise or not, you really love Top Gun. And we were all waiting for that. And now it's not even coming out till 2021. Yeah, and Tenet, um, that got pushed back. And of course, Wonder Woman, 1984. So... So the little bit of information that I found as far as movie theaters go and the government funding for the assistance, um, AMC, I'm not sure if they received anything. And this is not really current, but the information I, I found, uh, AMC was able to raise like $500 million you know, a few months back just to hold them um, as long as they can. Now, Regal, they received some assistance some funding from the UK uh, as well as from the states and the government funding it was something like 25 million but you know that's that's hardly anything wow you, you really know your movies coming up well I love movies Good. I'll tell you in 2000 and was it 2017 yeah I think it was 2017 I saw 108 movies that year yeah. Oh my God. That was not counting movies at home. That was going to the theater. I tried to average probably about, mm, I don't know, 60 to 90 movies a year at the theater. That is phenomenal. I love movies. That's why you yeah, got to, that's, that's why you got to make some. I've never heard of anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to put something up on the big screen that's there. Right. Yeah, I that's hear right. that. <laughs> Let's make it happen. So, yeah, it's I'm one of those who love just like I say going out to movies, irregardless of if I have a big screen TV at home or not. I just love going to the movie theaters and just enjoying it. And sometimes I I like going on first run first nights just to hear people laugh, scream, cry or whatever. And it, I know it's difficult to right. can't hear the dialogue half the times, but then that's why I go back a second time or sometimes even a third time. You know, you'll go see a movie yeah. in THX, you'll go see a movie in Dolby, you'll go see a movie on a regular, um, you'll compare it between the RPX and the uh, uh, the Dolby and you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, the theater is an amazing experience. It sure is. 
And so is uh, theater, theater. <laughs> yep. yep. You know, that, that's a really cool too. I got to hand it to all my uh, theater actors out there. What they do is amazing because think on this, they have to memorize their entire lines, like every bit of them. There's no, in movies, it's always, you're just working one scene, you know, and, and then cut, then you can, once it's a wrap on that scene, then the actor can focus on the next scene, you know, and, and memorizing those lines or mm-hmm. getting them down, stuff like that. And then they could just forget about the other ones. But the theater actors, oh my gosh, man, the entire night, they got to know everything and remember everything or, or it's going to stick out and be a bummer. Yeah. But, uh, so you got to applaud their work. Heck yes. And I do miss the, uh, I, I do miss live theater too. Um, you know, every, every Saturday I get my reminder, bling, time to go to uh, live theater. And it's like, uh, nope, psych. I'm not going. Not now. No. Yep. And it's a scary thing as far as, well, everything in that entertainment field, live theater, movies, uh, television shows, because they're unable to get together to make uh, new episodes and some of these places. Yeah, places that's what I'm kind of wondering, yeah. Chuck. Is like, if uh, what's going to happen in the next year or two? Like, so many projects that have probably been put on hold. Are they going to restart up these projects, or are they just going to let them go and start up new ones? Or you know what I mean? It's like because they can't get the cast and crew together in one place. I mean, how how long are they going to put it on hold? Yeah. And I, I don't get that. I don't understand it. I'm just hoping it'll work itself out. But it, gosh, there's probably going to be a big old, um, you know, um, blank spot as far as new releases go. I would think mm-hmm. coming well, up. You know, and, and as far as sitcoms, you know, television shows and things like that. The first one that I remember uh, is uh, Blacklist, and I think it was on their season finale. Uh, did you catch that by any chance, or do you ever watch Blacklist? I that is something that is on my list to watch, okay. <laughs> but I haven't quite watched it yet. That's with uh, that awesome '80s actor. Um, what's James, that fellow's James name? James Spader. James Spader. That's right. And uh, yeah, that guy's phenomenal. The, what, the previews I've seen of Blacklist look really cool. So yes. I'm re- yeah, I really want to see that. That so see the season finale right right in the midst of filming the season finale, and this is just uh, from what I understand. So right in the mid- middle of filming the season finale, all this COVID stuff, pandemic happened. We had to stop everything. It couldn't be around people, so they had to finish it. You know, they were right in the middle of it. It's the end of the season, so they ended up. Uh, Taking some, uh, from my understanding again, some scenes that were shot from previously shot episodes, and also they took and they added animation to it. So just to fill wow, in some that of the is brilliant, games. actually. And I think some of these other shows of recent that were um, in the middle of whatever the run, uh, they I think. They allowed the actors to film their parts at home on as individuals, hmm. which is kind of interesting. I don't know how that's all going to work out. I, I can't imagine watching a Star Trek or a, a Star Wars movie with individual actors at home with their own homemade costumes. <laughs> yeah. As far as Blacklist goes, though, could you imagine the uh, 
the editing job those guys must have had to do. That, that's a hats off to them. They, that must have been incredibly challenging. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, another field right there within the uh, film industry, entertainment editing. Uh, they need wow. those guys don't get enough credit. I don't yes, think. Yes, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, they they work hand in hand with the director and post, and they make they make that movie shine. Hopefully, sometimes not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sometimes they don't make it shine, but the good ones make the film shine. And they, they, sometimes they don't get their fair due. So. That is true. So, David. Um, yes, sir. Do you realize that as difficult as you may have thought that doing this and it's it's going on and on and on and we can probably go on and on and on and on and on about movies and filmmaking, but I want to ask you one more time. Mm-hmm. Name of the book, your name, how they could search, and where they could find it because the book is got to be great because it's got a good storyline. It's got a really good storyline. And only reason I say that is I've already purchased the book, you know, gone through it. Um, so, I love you, man. You're the best. <laughs> so again, where, where is it available? Okay. It is on Amazon. Okay. And it's, you can either look up through the author, David L. Anderson, or, through the book's title, Gadlin Wayfair and the Great Hunt, or even First Ranger of the King would get you there. But if you were to look up on Facebook, if you happen to be on Facebook, uh, First Ranger of the King, we have a very popular Facebook site there with all the info on that site. So, yeah, First Ranger of the King on Facebook, and that definitely has links and, and pictures and stuff about the book and the uh, uh, full feature attempt that we did stuff like that so awesome awesome yeah well like yeah. i said i am looking forward to any film projects that you're on i am really stoked you. that you're on this new uh Snohomish county project uh for films and things like yeah, that yeah that sounds like a lot of fun that's, yeah. that's gonna be very cool yep. i'll keep you posted man i'll, I'll uh keep you personally uh, uh in touch on that so i appreciate you get that. a kick out of it so. yeah yeah well, um, you feeling comfortable with this? Anything else that you Absolutely. want to throw in? Okay. Um, gosh, I I think I'm good, and and uh, you know it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, man. I really appreciate you having me on, and and uh, and, and of course helping promote the book is a real blessing. So, uh, Chuck, Chuck, thank you so much. And as and, I, yeah, as I always say and call you, Mister Anderson. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like from the Matrix. Right? Yep. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. All right, brother. Hey, you take care, man. Okay. All right. I will. Have a great night, and thank you very much again for doing this. You got it, sir. You take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. There it is. Another podcast in the books. Thank you again for listening, following, and donating. If you haven't, I'm going to ask you, uh, please feel free, push the button or whatever it is that you do, and subscribe, follow, pass the word around. But no matter what, thank you very much for continuing to support this channel. And as always, have a great day.